So I was thinking back to road trips, and just to get us thinking about a road trip, and you have your memories in your mind, does anybody remember um, triptychs? Anybody remember triptychs? So for the young ones in the room, you'll have no idea what this is. Triptychs were um, distributed by AAA, and you could write a letter, or you could stop by like a local where AA, AAA was, you could stop by and you could tell them where you were going from and to, and they would map out for you the journey if you were a part of AAA. And this is what they looked like. Um, I know today, kids, you just pull out your phone and you're like, why didn't you just use GPS? And you're like, because we didn't have GPS. We didn't have phones. We had paper. <laughs> and if you, if you didn't have paper, you got lost. We had to follow signs on the side of the road. Come on. Do I have some, the, the older generation among us who know what I'm talking about? And you young bucks in the room, you have it easy. You set reservations at a hotel where you know you're going to be at a certain time. When we were kids, we just drove and looked for Holiday Inn signs. And if it happened to have a pool, it was awesome. We got to go in, swim. If it had a covering over the pool, you were in luck. Howard Johnson was big time. Like We were like, yes, we're living high tonight. That's how you did it. And we would always look for the Shoney's big boy. Because <laughs> at Shoney's, they had some ice cream, and you wanted the ice cream. So uh, road trips are a little bit different today. You plan them. You set everything. You take out half the fun because you... You know where you're going to stay when you get there. And, you know, it was so much fun just to, like, drive until you find something. And, you know, um, what was the one that they left the lights on for you? Motel 6. We'll leave the lights on for you. So there were lights on. They were, they were ready for you. But this is what it looked like to take a road trip back in the day. So where I want us to begin to, to, to lean in and road trips have changed through the years. We're going to look at some stories that were found along the roadside in Scripture. And where I want us to lean in, and I'm going to come back to this passage throughout the next four weeks, and this is the one that I want to sink in with us, okay? So this is, this is the one, if you want to memorize a passage of Scripture, this is a great one. I'm going to start with the message translation um, to give us a little bit of, of a different version of it to help us understand. And, and here's what, in Proverbs chapter 3, and if you'll read Proverbs chapter 3, you'll find some great uh, wisdom on how to live life. And this is what we find. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. And don't try to figure everything out on your own. Now that's pretty good right there, isn't it? In a world where we want to figure everything out, we want to have all the details at our fingertips. The wisdom from God is, trust me, and don't try to figure it all out. Now, I know there's some people in the room, I know there's some people online today who are watching who have some things going on in your life, and you just want to get your arms around it, and it feels like you can't fully understand what's going on. And in Scripture, we're encouraged to trust God in that in the things that we can't understand or the things that we can't see in the present to simply trust God. And then the wisdom is listen for God's voice in everything you do, 
Listen for God's voice everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. So this passage, I think, can be a little bit of a guide for us as we think about road trips. And as you think about road trips and traveling through, through life, the idea, the understanding that I can trust God even when I don't see the destination, I don't see where we're stopping for the night, I can trust God in this. I don't need to understand it all. And everywhere I go, everything I do, if I will listen for God's voice, he will nudge me, encourage me, lead me in the path that is correct, in the right path. Does that, does that make sense? Trust in the, so the way you've probably heard this verse, maybe you've heard this verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. It would be a great passage for you to memorize this summer as you think about road trips. Um, unless we live, uh, Rich Velotis said this, un unless we live with an intentional commitment to slow down, we have no hope for a quality of life that allows Jesus to form us. And that's where a road trip comes in. Um, I don't know how your road trips and your trips in the summer happened when you were a kid or when you had kids. Some of you had parents who were planners and planned out every minute of your summer vacation. Anyone? Every second. Some of you are like nudging your, your, uh, your spouse right now. And others of you had kind of free-flowing parents, and it was like whatever comes, we'll figure it out, and we'll, we'll do what, what, what shows itself that day. You know, what I'm, you know what I mean? Very different. And most of the time, they were married to each other. And so you had, some, you had some awesome fights in the car on summer vacation where one was planned out and the other was like, eh, let's not do that today. But it's on the books. Like, we got to do it because it's on the... And some of you have had summer vacations. Some of you have had vacations where you came home more tired than when you left. I remember some wisdom that came from... Uh, the Don father, Donald Doe. We were in staff, we were, we were, we were talking as a staff, um, this was a number of months ago, we were talking about how we have the tendency in our current day and age to always be tired. How are you doing? I'm tired. And, and he suggested that maybe one of the possible reasons we are so tired is because we use our time off in unhealthy ways, running after things rather than actually resting. Is, is that true for you, that you've sometimes just ran so hard when you were supposed to be relaxing and refreshing that you, you just came, you just, you'd never get a break? And Unless we live with this intentional commitment to slow down, I, and I think sometimes God forces us to slow down by things that pop up in our lives, and they drive us crazy 
because we don't want to go through them. And I think God's, God's putting the brakes on for us, saying you need a break. You got to slow down a little bit. You got to stop. You got to rest. And that's part of what happens in the story today. So I'm going to tell you the story of Elijah, just a little bit of the story of Elijah. You should read the Old Testament. There are some crazy stories in the Old Testament. Elijah is one of these crazy old stories. And you get into it, and you're like, is this really in the Bible? And I'm like, it's in the Bible. It's there. Uh, some crazy things happen with Elijah, and it's found in 1 Kings. I'm, you'll find out a little bit more detail, but if you read all of 1 Kings, you'll find it eventually. Um, hold on, don't put that up yet. Um, uh, here, here are the, the few things I want you to maybe uh, lean into this morning, four, four ideas. Fear, rest, provision, and guidance, Okay? So I want you to think about what are the things or what are the, 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 the seasons of life where, you, where you're overcome by fear? And then are, is there a moment, is there an opportunity for you to find some rest? You need to slow down. Do you recognize the incredible provision that comes from God? Have you... Have you, do, I, do I recognize how good God is and how he provides everything I need? And then do I see where he, where he guides? Okay, so Elijah, real quick, some backstory. Elijah was like a prophet who um, was discounted in the land of Israel. So in the nation of Israel, Judah, he was discounted. And there was actually a leader, Ahab, who came in, and Ahab's, uh, there was Jezebel, and, and they wiped out as many prophets of God as possible. And they set up false worship. So they, they, they tried to, to wipe God out of the equation. And Elijah was one that was still remaining, and he had to hide at times. There's this crazy story where Elijah um, isn't sure how he's going to be sustained, and God tells him, I want you to go hide by this brook and I'm going to have ravens bring you food. What? And some of us are like, seriously? But ravens brought food every morning and every night. God provided exactly what he needed. And I know the skeptics, skeptics among us are like, Matt, that's just crazy. Listen, if, if there's a God who cre can create the world in which we live and hold the stars in place... There's a God who can send some ravens with some steak and mashed potatoes to find you by the brook. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's not that hard for God. So all this happens. Elijah is kind of fed up. They're in a drought, and Elijah decides, I'm going to challenge the prophets of Baal to a, to a test, and we'll see whose God comes out on top. Do you guys remember this story? Mount Carmel is the, the place where the battle happens, and he summons all these prophets of Baal. They set up an altar. He tells them to kill a bull and put it on there and cry out to their God to, 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 to strike down and, and consume uh, this sacrifice that's on this altar. And so the prophets of Baal start, like, praying. I don't know how they prayed, but they were praying I wanted to do it, but I, I don't know what it looks like. But they were praying and summoning their God. Come on, God. We need you to show up. Silence. 
Now, Elijah is, is I don't know, who talks the most tra- trash in the NBA? Who do you think? Anybody? Pat Beverly. Uh, yeah, Draymond Green. Yeah, so um, Elijah starts talking trash to the prophets of Baal. He's like, if you read First, First Kings, he's like, maybe, they're still, maybe your God's still sleeping. He's not listening to you. Maybe, you know what? Maybe he got caught up in another part of the world, and, and he's just too busy somewhere else. And so, hey, where's your God? He's not showing up. So he's like taunting the prophets of Baal. I know we have a basketball coach in the room. He's like, don't teach my kids to taunt. They're like, don't do it. You shouldn't do it, but he does it, and it's kind of funny. He's taunting them. Nothing happens. And then he steps up to the plate, and he said, look, I'm going to make it even a bigger challenge. I want you to take some buckets of water, and I want you to pour it over the altar and over the sacrifice that's on there. So they bring four buckets, huge buckets, pour it over there, and they bring some more. He digs out like a trench around it. The trench is filled with water. He cries out, God, let them know that you're the one true God. God strikes down with fire and takes it all up, and it's gone. And the prophets of Baal, as you can imagine, are a little overcome by what's taken place. And they decide to try to, to run, and um, this is where it gets a little, you know, nasty in the Bible um, because Elijah tracks him down and kills 850 prophets of Baal right there because he won. And he's like, our God is the one true God, so we're going to wipe your uh, prophets out. And so he does that. And so you would think, now that's the backstory. Are you still with me? It's a crazy story. Are you with me? Okay. So you would think coming off this mountaintop experience, Mount Carmel, where this happened, that Elijah would, would feel pretty good about himself. You would think that, wouldn't you? You would think, what in the world does Elijah have to fear? I mean, look what just happened. Unbelievable story. You know, sometimes it's out of your greatest successes in life that you'll have your, your deepest valleys in life and your greatest darkness in life. Some of you have been incredibly successful in business, and the truth is there are times when you've been at the the top and you felt completely empty and wondered what was going to come next. You know what I'm talking about, some of you? And that's exactly what happened with Elijah. He had this mountaintop, unbelievable experience where God showed up and then was overcome with fear. Jezebel was upset, decides to kill him. I mean, look what God just did, and God can't protect him? When Elijah, so here's the passage. So when Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life. He takes out off on a road trip. He just, he just runs. He runs to the far end of Judah, Beersheba. So this is about as far as he could get. He runs to the bottom of the country. If you think about Israel as like a long, narrow uh, country, if you think about Scottsdale, uh, it used to be really small, just like across the street, and now it's this long, narrow, you know, Scottsdale is long and narrow. He runs from the top to the bottom. He gets to the, as far away as he can and stays in the country. He runs for dear life, and then he even goes a, a, a day further into the desert. So we can picture this here, right? This is awesome for us. We understand what the desert's like, so think about you know, going uh, all the way to the edge, and then where the houses run out, he just keep going into the desert. So he goes a day into the desert, and he comes to a broom bush. 
brush, and he collapses there under this, this broom brush tree. Maybe it's a palm tree. I'm trying to get it in my head. Like, it gets a lot of play in this story, so maybe it's important. But he, he collapses in its shade, and he wants in the worst way to be done with it all. He wants to die. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place where you're like, I just want to be done? I'm so tired. I don't know what the future holds. And this, it might just be easier if I wasn't here anymore. He actually cries out to God to take his life. And then he falls asleep under the tree. Exhausted, he fell asleep under the, the broom bush. And suddenly, he's sleeping, an angel shakes him and says, get up and eat. And he notices right next to where he's laying, there's a loaf of bread that has been cooked for him, full of gluten. <laughs> Just making sure you stay with me. And a jug of water. There's some warm bread and a jug of water. And he eats it, and he goes back to sleep. This sounds awesome, doesn't it? Good road trip. Take off, hang out under a palm tree. No coconuts or anything like that, but he's got warm bread and some water. He goes back to sleep. He wakes up again. There's more food. He eats again. And then he decides... <laughs> He, he realizes that God is the one who's provided this. He, like, he didn't cook the food. He didn't go fetch the water. It just showed up, and so he wants, he, wants to, he wants to get back to God. And so what does he do? He walks 40 days and nights all the way to the mountain of God. And when he gets there, he crawled into a cave, and he went to sleep again. And some of you wives are like, it's like my husband. That's <laughs> all he does is sleep. This is a great story. Now, this 40 days, like he walked for 40 days and nights, and some of us want to get caught up in, in some of those details. And in the Bible, sometimes there are phrases that just, they mean something different. Um, and this is one of those times when it's probably not a literal 40-day walk. It's, it's more of he went on a long journey, like this idea of a long journey. He just went on this long journey, and he finds the mountain of God. And this is probably where Moses received the Ten Commandments. That's, that's the mountain it's probably talking about. And he goes and he hides in a cave. But what is so important in this part of the story is to realize what Elijah has recognized. For us to recognize what he recognized, and he experienced what in the Old Testament was called Jehovah Jireh. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, Matt's talking in another language now. Can you say Jehovah Jireh? Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. And it means the God who provides. And it's exactly what Elijah experienced. In his fear, he was worn out, he was tired, he was ready to be done with life, and he experiences the God who does not give up on him, but the God who provides exactly what he needs 
in the moment. Did you know that same God is not a God of the distant past, but it's a God of the present, and he is the God who is with you, just like he was with Elijah. And I wonder, do we, do we fully trust in what God is providing to us? Do you trust? I mean, do you really trust what God's providing in your life? And have you, have you surrendered to God? So Elijah gets up and he goes to God, like he wants to go find God because God's been so good to him. Have you surrendered in that same way? Um, is anyone thirsty? This is from Isaiah. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. This sounds awesome. Come take your choice of wine or milk, which is strange. <laughs> Are you a baby or a grown-up? <laughs> it's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest. This is God saying, look, you can, you can search all over the world, just like that song said, Graves in the Garden. I've searched the world but it couldn't fill me. It's like a direct connection to this passage of Scripture that says you can search everywhere, but do you, do you believe that in God you have what you need to survive? God's provision is good for you. Um, now, if you've drifted off, come back just for a second. Are you with me? Do I have you? If you, if you drifted off? Okay. One of the things that, is, that happens in the story but happens to us as well is this. Um, Elijah wakes up, the angel wakes him up, and he finds bread and water where? Right next to him. What step does Elijah have to take? This is not a trick question. What does he have to do? You have to, he has to eat it, right? But it's there. Some of us, refuse to eat the provision God gives us on a daily basis. If, um, trying to help us understand this, if I was going on a road trip, you know, the, AA, the AAA stuff doesn't really happen anymore. I mean, it might be digital, but if, if I left my phone at home and I just went out on the road and my wife had a phone, but I'm like, it's not my phone, We'll just drive until we find it. My wife would slap me, number one. Robin would say, you're an idiot. But I'd say, no, 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 I don't need it. I can find my way. Come on, any husbands in the room? I don't need, I don't need to pull over for directions at 7-Eleven. I might need to pull over for a Slurpee, but I don't need directions. I know where I'm going. Come on. God provides nourishment for our souls. And he has given us so much, but we have to eat it. You have to pick it up and eat it. I have to pick it up and eat it. Sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I wish God would speak to me. If only I had a Bible at my fingertips where I could open it up and, and hear from, from God. If, if only God would speak to me. And I think sometimes, like as I'm scrolling through Instagram if only God would speak to me. 
And then I'm scrolling, and then the Bible app is like an ad, and I'm like, why is that ad popping up? And I just keep, I just keep going. It's like they're listening. Like, are they listening to me on here? Listen, come on now. I'm serious. If, if you want a connection with God, oftentimes it's not because God is silent. It's because we're refusing to eat. I, don't, I feel like, are you, are you with me today? Like, you got to pick it up and eat. What, what God provides, it's up to us whether or not we want that nourishment. You feel like I'm overcome with fear? God's Spirit wants to provide courage for you. But you got to eat. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, Life Without Lack, Dallas Willard talks about this in, in a book called Life Without Lack. He says, the experience of a life without lack depends first and foremost upon the presence of God in our lives. And let me be clear, the presence of God is all around us. I think it's our awareness that sometimes is off track. So it depends on the presence of God, which is there because the source of this life is God himself. God is the source of our life. Um, Rich Velotis, he's, he's a pastor in New York City, and I love this. When I was scrolling through Instagram one day, um, this showed up. God tells us to pray for daily bread, but we'd rather have a Costco relationship with God. We'd rather have stuff in bulk so we don't have to come back so often, but we can't live without daily dependence. Oh, preach. Does that make sense? And that, that's not about guilt or shame or anything like that. It's about the just truth. From the beginning of Scripture, God wants us to depend on him daily. It's why the children of Israel, when they wandered around in the desert, he said, don't pick more food than you need. Take what you need for this day and trust that I'm going to provide for you tomorrow. Now, come on, church. Sometimes we just want a Costco God who says, let me pile things in my car and I can come back in a month. Well, that's not if you have um, high schoolers at home, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I, I just want to store it up so I've got plenty and I can control my own ration. And God says, I just want you to trust me every day, and I want you to know that I'm going to provide exactly what you need when you need it. I love that. So Elijah gets to the cave, and he goes in, and he falls asleep. He's, he's experienced the God who provides, but there's, there's another aspect of God that that he begins to understand. And here's what happened. He wants God to speak to him. A hurricane wind, some of you have read this passage before, a hurricane wind rips through the mountains and shatters the rocks, but God wasn't to be found in the wind. Some of us are looking for God in these mighty explosions or these big experiences. Elijah just had that on Mount Carmel where the wind and the fire of God came down and took up, you know what I'm talking about? Like he already had that. God wasn't in the wind, and after the wind, there was an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake, and he's looking like, where are you, God? And yes, God can control all these things, but God isn't to be found in them. After the earthquake, a fire, but God wasn't in the fire. Elijah had already experienced God in the fire when God came down on the top of the mountain. He needed something else. What did he need? What did he need? And so then, after the fire, there was a quiet whisper. God was in the whisper. 
voice was there all along. But he was distracted, and he couldn't hear it. There was just too much noise. And I wonder how much I'm distracted. And God keeps just saying, I'm, I'm here. You're so afraid, but I'm right here. You don't know what to do. I can tell you. I've got a word for you. And it's whisper, and we wonder, like, why doesn't God just, why doesn't he just tell us? Why doesn't he shout it? Like, if he would shout it, I wouldn't know it was him. And God says, look around. I'm all over the place. You don't need me to shout. And I wonder if... I wonder if God whispers because he's close and he doesn't need to shout. Do you remember when your kids were young? They were in bed and they were scared of the dark. And if you were like me, you tried shouting from the other room, it's okay, I'm here. They didn't need that. They needed me to come into the room and get close and say, I'm right here. You're fine. Everything's going to be okay. They needed a whisper. They didn't need a shout. God knows that he's close. It's just we need to dial in to hear him. Some of you are wondering, if I'm going to talk like this the rest of the morning. <laughs> He's the God who speaks. He's the God who speaks. Listen, I know there are times when it feels like God is silent. He's, but I, think, I think God's always, always speaking in one way or another. It's just, there's just too much noise Elijah encountered the God who speaks, but it probably wasn't how he imagined it to be. I think God wants to speak to you this summer in your journey. The question is, is there just too much noise? And am I listening to him? And then finally, the last one, um, is he's the God who guides. So Elijah um, runs because he's he's afraid for his life, right? He's, he's, he's overcome with fear. He runs, and he encounters God. God provides for him. God speaks to him. And you know what God says to him in this, this whole this story? God says, go back the way you came. Go, go back the way you came. Like, you ran in fear. I want you to go back in confidence. That's, a, that's crazy, and he does. Elijah like, becomes so aware of God's presence and begins to trust God once again that he's able to go back the very way that he came and face the fear that was in his life because he was then dialed in to the voice of God. So have you encountered the God who guides? Do we, do we believe <laughs> do we believe, this is so hard for me because I'm a control person, 
my kids are laughing because they're like, yes, he is a control. Like, I, I want to control everything. Do I have any other control freaks in the room? Yeah. They're usually sitting in the back of the room so they can see everything. But um, <laughs> we, 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 we tend to believe we're in control, especially those of us who want to be in control. We tend to believe we're in control. But the reality is, and we all know this down deep, like so much can happen that's out of our control. What's the stock market going to do tomorrow? We want to control and, you know, and the reality is we just, we just don't know. Here's, here's the question. Would you follow if you knew it was God leading you? Would you follow that voice if you knew it was God leading you? You know how you become familiar with a voice? You listen. You hear it and you recognize the evidence of his faithfulness that's all around us. Um, God promises this. He says, I'll guide you along the best path. I'll advise you, and I'll watch over you. And th th I thought this was funny, and so I wanted to kind of close with this idea. Don't be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit to keep it under control. Like, don't, don't, don't be senseless who needs someone to, like, control them with a, with, with a bit. Like, trust God and his guidance and his voice. So look at your neighbor and say, don't be a mule. Sometimes you do it, but you didn't do it that time. Like, don't be senseless. Like, just follow what God puts in front of you. Um, we, we're going we're gonna to close today with, with communion. And um, I think it's just the, the picture, the picture of communion is just this, perf it's the perfect picture of God's faithfulness and provision for you and me. And I think it was the most common element on the table, a piece of bread and a cup of wine. I think it was, was, was that because God wanted us to realize that he really is the, like the essentials for our lives, the most basic of what we needed. It's God. And communion is that reminder of his love and his grace. And so I'm going to ask you to stand, um, and we're going to sing the first part of this song, and then we'll take communion together. So it gives you time. If you didn't pick up communion, you can pick it up now. It's just this, this visual uh, reminder of God's love and his grace. God, um, as we travel through life, as we travel this summer, uh, it be a road trip or we get on a plane, or I pray that we would find rest in you. I pray that we wouldn't fear what we can't see and what's ahead. I, I pray that we would find rest in you, that we would begin to trust you more and more, that we would listen for your voice. I pray that you would guide us and nudge us on the journey. I thank you that you provide everything that we need. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.